Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Swim Swam Editor-in-Chief, Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Yin Yin Lee from Madison, New Jersey. Oh, Jersey in the house, as yeah. on the USA <laughs> Swimming roster. Yep. Yin Yin um, sent me a Slack message two days ago. She's like, can I write about the Jersey boys? <laughs> I did not say that. I saw a Swim Swim comment. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I want to write it. So Jersey I wrote Swim. about the demographics. Yeah. Jim Tan right. Laundry. I live in Philadelphia <laughs> and the entire city of Philadelphia is in New Jersey right now. For people who don't know this, the city of Philadelphia all summer long on weekends basically empties out. There's like a million and a half people. And they all live in New Jersey on weekends in the summer. And because of the timing of this holiday, the city has basically been empty since Thursday and nobody's coming back till Wednesday. So it's great. The lines at the grocery store are very short. I saw a comment that was like, New Jersey has two capitals, New York and Philadelphia. Trenton's (laughs) just non-existent. That has to be one of the most like playful, fun comment sections I've seen in a while. That's like, not actually offensive, but yeah. people just making yeah. funny jokes about New Jersey and its culture, which yeah. I, yes, that, that article had a great comment section. I didn't understand New Jersey until I moved to Philadelphia. Like I didn't, I didn't know what it, what it was, you know, like I didn't know if it was actually a real place until I moved here. You have to see I, it to believe it. They have, they have a lot of pickleball courts though, so they're good Ooh. for some. They, Braden, Braden's in. Braden is New Jersey, pro New Jersey. I, all I was for the pickleball. This, only the pickleball, though. Jim Tan Launder. I was the same way uh, when I moved to New York. I was. I didn't know anything about New Jersey. Now I feel like culturally, at least I understand it a little bit. Which it's not that bad. People no, take a crap on it. I'm just like, not that bad. Cool. It's just like a big suburb. The big. What did I call it? The yeah. big Applebee's. I thought that was, <laughs> that, that was my favorite saw, comment of, of the comments. I needed the validation. Nobody yeah. laughed. Yeah. My, so there's no such thing as Central Jersey comment. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That's where great. the tomatoes come from, right? Central yeah. Yeah. Wait, also, Yin Yin, I'm just impressed that you, like the Jersey boys, you know that reference in at least some way, even though it's from, it references the Four Seasons who are like from the 60s. Yeah, but they still have that touring musical. <laughs> no, they Fair all enough. died 50 years ago <laughs> yeah that's uh all right enough about new jersey even <laughs> though you can never get enough about new jersey uh let's talk about 2023 u.s world championship yeah. trials we are starting with the hot topics and first off michael andrew missed the world championships team and that's not even really the topic the topic is USA Swimming's selection priorities, which Braden wrote a great article about, and it highlights the fact that USA Swimming's selection in the past was kind of just a hypothetical until the 2021 Olympic trials when they actually had to leave someone home because of, well, that was because of a different rule of of how many really only summers you can have. But this time they had to leave someone at home, Michael Andrew, because they prioritized uh, relay only swimmers, numbers five and six, and the hundred and two and free above the fifties of specialty winners, which they didn't even do at 2022 World Champ Trials. Didn't realize that. All right, let's get into it. How are we feeling about about uh, the U.S. prioritizing relay only swimmers above fifties of stroke? 
So I'm kind of okay with the relay only cap. Um, I think that's a good rule because allowing unlimited relay only swimmers just benefits the U.S. basically um, and everybody else it hurts. And so, you know, I'm okay with that rule. That's the rule that hit us at trials. So this is what's interesting. I asked uh, World Aquatics, a.k.a. Aqua, uh, as they insist on being known, um, what where the number 26 came from. And their answer, or, or why roster limits exist, and their answer was, we've always done roster limits. Um, and the so number no 26 answer. was set in the early 80s, which, by the way, was before the Stroke 50s were on the World Championship schedule. They weren't added until 2001. Was um, that also like when you could have all three swimmers on a medal podium? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you could ever do that at Worlds. Yeah, I don't remember that ever being a yeah, I think you can do it at the Olympics. So, you okay. know, as a millennial, the worst thing you can say to me is we do it this way because we've always done it this way. Um, because I hate that. I just you don't like that. that sentiment. Our entire, entire generation exists to root that mentality out of the world because Gen X, Gen X was the kings of everybody who follows me on Twitter knows how much I love Gen X, but they were the kings of, well, that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> Um, and now they're the old guys, which means they run all of the sporting governing bodies. So that's what we go with. Um, so I think the roster limits are kind of silly. If we're doing a world championship, I think making roster limits doesn't really benefit anybody in any way. Right. Um, I, I, you know, the two per country rule is a different thing than roster limits, but to me, I think roster limits are stupid, but if we're going to accept that the roster limits are staying in place and Aqua said, we may, reevaluate these in the future some kind of vague nonsense that commits them to nothing um but like if those are going to stay i think the u.s like it's it's like all of a sudden we're in a spot where these things matter right like we haven't been hitting roster limits that it hasn't been an issue we've gotten close but now we've hit them in two out of three big meets so like it's time for there to be sort of a it almost feels like there should be a referendum right um and, and the athletes should get a voice. The athletes shouldn't get the full say because USA Swimming has interests beyond just the elite athletes, which I've always thought was a problem, having them run the age groupers and the pros at the same time. But, um, you know, it's it's time to figure out what we really want to do here. Um, do we want to win world championship gold medals? Do we only care about Olympic medals? We're trying to look into how much this matters, this relay alternate experience. In general, we found that the the experience explanations are kind of nonsense, um, but we don't know what it's going to be here. But I don't know. I, I want to see the fastest 50 butterfly or backstroke or breaststroker in the world swimming at Worlds. That's That maybe is just me, but that's what I want to see. I, I don't watch prelims relays. Like I, I follow prelims relays on the live results. I don't watch them. Yeah. So my thing about the whole selection procedure is that I noticed a lot of people were upset about the short course world selection procedure when they prioritized long course results for short course meets. And their reasoning was the Olympics are the most important. And people were really upset about that because they wanted the best short course swimmers to be at short course worlds. But then with MA, I feel like I saw a lot more people resonating more with the U with USA Swimming's um, explanation that they want this relay alternate experience, which I think is really interesting. I'm not sure if it's because Michael Andrews is a more controversial figure in swimming than 
say the short course swimmers that were being left off of the short course worlds team but i don't know i i just found that really interesting and i want to hear your take on that i uh anyone it doesn't doesn't matter anyone's take. yeah i i think that after reading Braden's article which i really enjoyed and i liked the points that you brought up like I think ISL changed the game. I, I think it just changed people's perspectives on professionalism and swimming. Um, and I think, I think we as a sport need to follow suit. I think if you're going to short course worlds, you act like the priority is short course worlds. If you're going to a long course world championships, you act like the priority is a long course championships. Like, and I get that we want to perform well at the Olympics and that's always been the priority, but I think there are different ways to prioritize that that aren't leaving someone who's a top three ranked athlete in the world in a non-Olympic event at home instead of your number six guy in a 200 free when you have a plethora of people on the team who can swim a prelims 200 free. Yeah. yeah. I, view, I view elite swimming a lot in the way that I talk about the NCAA where it's like, there's all kind of problems with the way we do things, but those problems are also what props up the industry. You know, if we start deprioritizing the Olympics, the, the entire professional swimming operates on nationalism. And anybody who doesn't want to believe that, I know the elite swimmers don't want to believe that a lot of them, but it's all about waving the flag at the Olympics every four years. Like that's what drives the industry of Olympic sports. Um, and we can make a change to professional sports, but it's going to be a very, very painful change in the interim. And if it doesn't work, we're left with nothing. And that's, that's the risk of, of where we sit, right? Like if we had gone all in at the IS on the ISL, if the sport had gone all in on it, it probably still would have failed. And then we wouldn't have anything. Cause remember he wanted to, he wanted to fight the Olympics, um, Constantine Grigorishin wanted to fight the Olympics. Um, and so if we had gone all in on that, we would have no elite swimming right now. And, and that's, that's the risk point of where we're at. So it's a question of how far can we go towards this focusing on other meets before we've sort of hit that point of no return where the professional swimming has to work or not work. Okay, but my thing is that I don't really see how relay alternates are exactly helping the Olympic performance of the U.S. next year. Because when you look at it, the top six of um finishers in a 200 free every year, they're very interchangeable. You saw the major a, lo- a good portion of last year's relay is not on the team this year. So I don't really know how giving one person prelims relay experience is gonna directly boost olympic performance whereas if you're meddling in a 50 stroke event that still brings money in even if it's at world championships and not the olympics i think brayden talked about this and just the idea of a world championship medal also helps with um endorsements and stuff like that so if there was a bigger benefit of bringing relay only well relay only swimmers to prioritize the Olympics, then I could see why they do that, but I just don't really see if there's a large enough benefit. And like, don't Here's get something. me wrong, I'm happy that th- almost everyone got in, but yeah, I just don't understand. So let's talk hypothetically. Is Henry McFadden better off 
as a prelims only one relay leg swimmer at the world championships or swimming a finals relay and an individual event at the Pan American Games. Which do we think is more well, valuable experience? In if his you go case, to Junior Worlds? Ju- yeah, because he's 17 okay. right okay. now. Okay, Junior Worlds, Pan yeah. American Games, doesn't matter. Not the point. Um, yeah. Either of those meets, swimming fi- multiple finals, is that at a, at a objectively less important meet, um, better experience or less better experience than swimming a prelims leg at Worlds? I mean, the second thing would probably be a better experience, but then there could also be the possibility. I think this is a very rare thing, but it can happen. What happened with Bella Sims last year? She only qualified for the 4x200 relay. And there was some discussion, I remember, that would it be more beneficial for Bella Sims to go to World Juniors where she could race multiple individual events? But she had that really big breakout swim Mm-hmm. in prelims got put on finals and she had that big leg as well so there's there is that possibility so while if if mcfadden only swims on a prelims relay it is not as beneficial as going to world juniors and swimming individual events but in the case where that like a bella sim situation happens like there is that window of opportunity yeah i mean if but... we're if we're if we're looking at olympics like again this yeah i think it's a better experience for henry to go to worlds and, and yeah. swim a prelim and to more importantly to be on the team and to he'll get one rep in you know maybe he'll have the swim of his life and get two reps in but most likely he will swim on a prelims relay and that that might be it but to be on the team and to be on the senior international team and to get a feel for what it's like for his olympic experience you know development that's a better experience i think yeah, Which, and Michael Andrew can go to Pan Am Games and win 15 gold medals, <laughs> and that's probably what he needs to remotivate himself. Do they have to, do, like, can he qualify for the 100 breasts even though he, like, didn't even swim the final at, at trials? Probably not. No, probably not. No. Like, can he only swim decline. 50s at that or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah, only 50s. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I didn't look at Pan Ams all that yeah. closely. So I thought they were prioritizing u23 meet over pan ams but that is not no. the case is that correct yeah. no, no pan ams is prioritized but you can choose to skip it for the u23 meet which is yeah. specifically because it's in the fall it's in like late october yeah. early right. november yeah. so college swimmers aren't a lot of college swimmers aren't going to want to go to pan am unless it somehow right. gets approved for ncaa qualification but it shouldn't be i'm kind of curious if how many people will want to go to pan ams considering it's like october and in south america of an olympic year like i i hope people want to go and i heard of a, a bit of chatter on deck that like people will want to go um like uva for example is encouraging their athletes who qualify for pan ams to go to it but just from my personal point of view it's like will people be interested or will americans be interested in this event which i hope they are but yeah i think they I've will because it's a long course that, like, really want to it's a long course meet in an Olympic year and, and mm-hmm. everybody's mm-hmm. perspective, even on the, the NCAA season changes a lot in the Olympic year. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, this is a long way away and who knows, but do you think people will be interested in the worlds in February because of that too? I know some people, um, I actually did um, an article on this last year. I asked a bunch of people on the U S national that. team, if they were interested in going uh, to, worlds and i know kieran smith said he was interested because he said 
just getting that opportunity to race for Team yeah. USA would be I'm, good. I, I think this would have been the year of all years to move conference championship meets to December and and leave that February time slot open because it's one thing for the Americans, but internationals are going to have a lot of pressure to go to Worlds depending on mm-hmm. what country they're from. So um, I would have loved to have seen them kind of test out mid-season conference championship meets this year and, and see mm-hmm. how everybody liked it. Man, that would be cool. Again, for no other reason besides doing something different. And yeah, yeah, catering yeah. to that. But yeah. Okay. There's also just oh. this dead period of college swimming. And I think having conferences in December would help with that a little bit. Keep keep the conversation going a, mm. a little more than just mid-season meets. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. So <clears throat> there's that conversation. Next up, Caleb Dressel swam. <laughs> Feel like that's about it. He gave an Caleb interview. Dressel did maybe, an interview. Maybe, Good. yeah, that's bigger news. That's all we asked for. Yeah. All we asked. All for. we've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't really I, think there's much to say about Dressel. He he took eight months off. What do you expect? Like, I know there was some expectation for him to be like in top form again before we really knew about his training situation, but knowing what happened to him. Anthony Nesty even said he lacks power, he lacks closing speed. And it's totally understandable. And I think for where he's at now with his training, his results seem fine. And I feel like at least in fly, it's looking pretty optimistic for Paris. It 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 I think it answers the question that Dressel was really not doing anything during his break. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of swimmers take breaks. And they, you know, they take a couple weeks out of the water, but they still do strength stuff. They still swim a few days a week. I think Dressel probably didn't touch the water for six months, seven months. And, and that's a, any, anybody who's ever like finished a swimming career and tried to go swimming again down the road knows how badly that hurts and how long that takes to get back into it when you've gone cold Turkey out of it. Like there's a difference between, dialing way back to 25% of your normal training volume and completely stopping. Um, and, you know, in a perfect world, I think Caleb would have not completely stopped. I think he would have just lightened his load significantly done. What, who was it? Kate or Bronte? One of them, one of the Campbell sisters was like, I'm just swimming as much as I feel like I, I go to the pool with no agenda and I just swim for a little bit. And when I'm tired of swimming, I get out. I think that was um, Kate, but yeah. Yeah. And so, like, uh, you know, I hope he's ready next year. I think the U.S. needs him. Um, we've got a ton of young talent. L- L.A. 2028 is going to be crazy um, with, all, with all the young talent coming up. But Paris 2024 is a little early, I think. Yeah, this feels very a la 2015, where Phelps was off the world's team and you had a mix of veterans and newbies that had that had been, you know, that, that, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, didn't seem super ready for that meet. And I don't, I'm not trying to say that about this team, but we don't really know what to expect from this team. Yeah. Like there's a risk the U S men don't make the final of the 400 free relay again. And not because the coach makes a wild choice this time. So last time it was a Dave Durden. I love you, but he, he put Anthony Irvin on the prelims relay and it, it cost him the final. Um, and this time, like just using the swimmers that they have to use, we could miss that final. Like it's okay. possible. 
I don't think we're going to be as bad as the 2015 relay because the problem with the 400 free relay isn't that they're slow because we have five guys going 47 flat starts, which I don't think we've had that in a long, long time. So on paper, these swimmers are fast. It's mainly the lack of experience concern because the top four, Alexi, Giuliano, Lasco, and King, they've never been to a senior international meet. I think that's a bigger concern than their actual speed, but I don't think it's as bad as 2015. And I think I think they're going to final. And if anything, I think possible. they're looking better. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, nobody at trials, 47.9 was the fastest split at trials. And if you have, at, you know, if you save your one and two for finals, which they might, I don't know, I guess they don't have to do that. But if you save your one and two for finals, you got a bunch of guys who just went 48s. And they're all capable of 47s probably, but if they don't, I mean, if you have four 48 fours and prelims, that's, that might sneak in, but it's dicey. Yeah. I mean, just look at uh, the Olympic, the Tokyo, you know, Brooks Curry, 48, two at trials goes to Japan first international team, 49 in prelims, I think. Mm -hmm. And they made the final, you know, fine, but that's because. You had three other guys on that relay who were very experienced. Right. And kind of one guy slips up and goes to 49. That's that's danger for this group. Yeah. So it's it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, but you I, I guess on the other hand, you also have a group of guys who don't have a lot of other races. So you can use yeah. whoever you want on prelims yeah. without worrying yeah. about overloading a dressel. I feel like this is a super interesting, like okay, well, will having a trials yeah. for this world's actually turn out? Or like, would it have been better to select this world's team from last year like yeah. we normally would have? Yeah. It's like, well, now we get to see what happens. It doesn't work out either way, right? The, right. No, no. Yeah. But uh, Reagan Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, so we brought up Caleb Dressel, but not much to say there. It seems like he's in a good headspace. It seems like he's happy. Hopefully, we keep seeing him progress uh, toward this Olympics because, yeah, hopefully, if nothing else, it would be great to have his leadership on, on the Olympic team next year. Another big storyline from this trials, DQs. There was a lot of them in the 400 IM and breaststrokes. Uh, I, I spoke to Kieran Smith about it, and his you know kind of big beef was that it this didn't happen at us open it didn't happen at pro swims along the way right this is kind of the first time they had been using video review uh to identify dqs rather than to verify them uh so what were our thoughts on that rule change specifically at a trials meet i love video review i love catching people who are breaking the rules the technology exists to do this better I was, my phone was blowing up from coaches who were pissed about the timing and dragging the races out and making people stand and wait. Like they, they, they should be able to find enough qualified officials for these meets to not make this happen. Whether, whether that means there's eight officials sitting under, under the pool deck, watching each of the eight lanes, cameras on each of the eight lanes, or they're reviewing while the next race is going on. I don't know there's there's a better solution to this problem that doesn't slow down the meat because do whatever you want to do behind the scenes to get it right. Um, I, you know, and it's, 
it's tricky because swimming is different in this regard than almost any other sport. I can't think of another sport that applies because the, 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 always the most obvious comparison to swimming is track and field, but track and field doesn't have disqualifications because you ran the wrong way, like the wrong style. They'll occasionally have a review for like, you stepped out of your lane or something like that, but there's no like, Oh, you ran with two feet instead of one feet kind of stuff. Um, Which like that stuff is very objective, right? Whereas right. like a dolphin right. breaststroke movement is right. very subjective. Right. So just put a pile of officials under under the pool. I keep saying under the pool deck because at trials, at the Olympic trials, that's where they do it. They build up the pool deck and all the video stuff is underground. Um, but like just put a bunch of people down there watching and and keep it moving. Like mm-hmm. don't, don't delay each heat while the officials have a conversation about it. The, and you know, the bigger problem is we got to figure out this sort of reflexive kick at the end of breaststroke. <laughs> if that's real, we need, we need to have a meeting of the minds around the world and figure out if that's real or if everybody's full of crap and they're, they know they're cheating and they just think they can get away with it. But somebody has got to figure that out because there seems to be a lot of disagreement about whether that's real or not. To well, me, it- it's more of the lack of transparency with these DQs because I remember when Emma Wine's DQ happened and the only thing the general public had was that very low quality USA Swimming live stream that didn't even show the angle of her kicking. And I I was at the meet and I asked USA Swimming, like, can we pr- have any more information on this DQ? Was it challenged? Which we think it was, but there wasn't any confirmation of that. Is there anything else you can give us besides the fact that she was DQ'd for dolphin kick? And they were like, no, we can't comment on DQs anymore, which I think is very frustrating for people that want answers for the people involved. And again, it takes up a lot of time. And this whole thing is just, it's going, it's so prevalent and yet people know nothing about it. And I think that's what's frustrating to me. USA swimming and their lack of transparency. Like I'm, I am whatever is beyond frustrated. If you're going to disqualify people at a international trials meet, you owe it to them to have that information made public. Like that's, you just, you can't do that behind closed doors. They tried to kick us out of 2016 trials because we asked the same question about Camille Adams's DQ and the 200 fly prelims that she appealed and was then overturned. And, and they threatened to kick us out of the meet. And it's just absolutely freaking ridiculous. Like, I cannot describe how bad that is. The NBA puts out a report for every competitive game that evaluates every call that was made and whether it was the right call or wrong call in the last two minutes of that game. Like, that, that is the level of transparency the NBA has used because there were so many complaints about officiating, you know, accusations of officiating corruption and all this other stuff. And like, we can't even just like get a replay. Like that's too much to ask, to, to ask, to see what they're looking at. And it's just when, when there's, when there's money involved, they'll have to do something about it. When there's gambling involved, they'll have to do something about it. And and yeah, that's when everybody wants to have it. Everybody wants gambling because every sport in the world thinks that gambling is going to fix all of their problems, but they, they don't know yet what the problems that they haven't identified are. And but. it was literally getting to the point where every time a heat was under-reviewed, everyone would start just start booing. And then when everyone started booing, they would just stop the heat and not say that the 
Heat was under review because they knew that if they said it, then if they announced it, then people would start booing again. And it was just getting to that point. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the the delay of the meet, I feel, was was the worst part. Um, as, as Braden brought up, it's like you can't you can't have that at a trials meet. But obviously you don't want to see DQs, but you also want the rules to be enforced, which with breaststroke is this like very weird, again, subjective thing where it's like you talk to some people and they're like, well, you got to push the rules as far as you can, which is basically like, I'm going to cheat. And then you talk to other people and they're like, well, I'm just trying to do the thing right. And they probably mean that. But, you know, it's like, how do you enforce that? And again, it's gotten to the point where we have to just get together and be like, you can do this. You can't do that. Okay. Well, yeah, I had this conversation with Jared Anderson once. Um, For those who don't remember, Jared Anderson used to be our James Sutherland. He was our, our first full-time writer here. He was an all American breaststroker at Minnesota. He, you know, was close to a few national teams and stuff. Um, And he was a breaststroker. He was like a classic. I only do breaststroke. I don't, can't name the other three strokes kind of breaststroker. Um, and anybody who knows Jared, Jared is just, he's just like an honest guy. Like he's not the kind of guy who lies or fudges things or something. And he said at some point, I maybe in his high school career, maybe in his college career, I don't remember the detail, but he was called for a little flutter kick at the end. And, and I tweeted a video of Lily King doing this too. And he said, Honest to God, he had no idea he was doing it. He could not feel that flutter kick at the end of his breaststroke kick. That being said, once it was identified, he was able to fix it. So, you know, there's there's kind of the there there's possibly two things going on and it's they don't know they're doing it, but once they know they're doing it, they can fix it. Like I think there's this assumption that either they don't know they're doing it, therefore they can't fix it or they know they're doing it and are choosing not to fix it. And I don't think that it's it's that binary. I think it's very possible that they aren't feeling the little flicks of their feet at the end. Yeah, like I I mean, I would assume this about most people, I guess. And I certainly I think there's the subconscious bias of Americans, but like in a 400 IM, I I just don't see having some kind of like teeny tiny little dolphin kick like is that how how much can that honestly help you in a prelim swim you know exactly and not saying she didn't do it you know again it might be a case of i didn't know it but i can fix it but yeah it's just it's gotten a little too subjective and a little too tricky and hopefully go back to kieran's point which is tell us before the meet that matters yeah right and also just like the inconsistency of these calls because I remember in finals, there were a bunch of breaststrokers that, I mean, I'm not going to comment on whether I think they should have been DQ'd or not, but people thought that they should have been DQ'd and they weren't called, unlike in the morning where there were so many DQs. So it's just not consistent, which is also, again, back to the lack of transparency. We don't know why. We don't know what counts as a DQ and what doesn't. And yeah, it's just... Yeah, because again, at that point, you're, it, it just seems like they're playing to the crowd, yeah. which they, they may be or they may not be, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that's just not integrity. That's Let's focus on the worst case scenario until they, they're forced to tell us and prove what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Well, someone who didn't get DQ'd and who had a great meet is Reagan Smith. Uh, she seems to be back on top. This is this this could be the first meet where she is 
a true U.S. superstar. She's got four individual events she's planning to swim. Uh, she's certainly a medal favorite in all four. That's all three backstrokes, 1,500, 200, plus the 200 fly, plus relays. I mean, so she's easily a six-medal threat. That And that's, I mean, she could win more, win less, who knows. But certainly seems like she's doing well with Bob Bowman. Her first big trials meet was was pretty much as successful as you can get. I, uh, you know, th- this was, this is the most exciting, I think, U.S. development of 2023, um, because this is the Reagan Smith we've been waiting for since she was 14 years old or whatever, you know, whenever she started to get really good. I thought, I thought there were some really interesting things in the interview you did with her, Coleman. Um, she said she's gassed. She looked pretty good for being gassed. And, and you know, I couldn't read into that, whether that meant she's gassed aka she's not going to do any better at worlds or she's got some rest to do before worlds um hopefully it's the latter and what i also thought was interesting was that she said i'm really good at just turning my brain off this this quote might be a little wrong turning my brain off and doing exactly what the coach tells me and if there's a coach on earth who and and we've said this before I think Bowman has evolved a little bit since his Phelps days I think he's mellowed a little bit um but if there's a coach on earth who knows how to just t- tell you to do more and more and it's if you can turn your brain off and do it you will succeed it's Bob Bowman so like it, that that's sort of like a deep cut about why this is a match made in heaven um because I think I think that's the perfect kind of athlete for Bob Bowman um, is the kind of athlete who will just turn their brain off and go. Um, and so if they, if Reagan operates on that level and Bob coaches on that level, I think that's why we're seeing success in this relationship. Yeah. And you can just tell by her reaction after the 200 back that there's just this massive weight being lifted off her shoulder. She's talked before about how that world record has haunted her since she was 17 and just getting that pressure off finally being able to qualify for that event after so many years of struggling I think it's the monkeys off her back now and she can and I'm excited to see how she does at Worlds I think this this happens with a lot of people like once you get that first race going like you're unstoppable with same with Gretchen Walsh she qualified for that 100 free and that's the event that she had been struggling with for so long. She got on the team. She had an incredible rest of the meet. And yeah, it's just, I think this meet was a really big stepping stone for people like Reagan and Gretchen Walsh. And same with Carson Foster last year. Yeah, I think going back to to Reagan and, and bringing it back to, to Caleb, we saw this with, with Lydia Jacoby as well, but you know, obviously, I think we're seeing the effects of the pandemic now and people are actually starting to talk about how it impacted them at the time because they're able to remove themselves from what happened, right? It's like Reagan has been vocal about the pandemic, like messed her up, right? Like it was not good for her. She was depressed. And then on top of that, she had the pressure of have, have having had that 2019 world champs leading into the Olympic year where she got a ton of pressure put on her because she was the double backstroke world record holder. Now she was able to, to, you know, kind of let it go and get the monkey off her back. It, it was interesting. Cause um, like you, you, your comment about Bowman and how um, 
she, she's mentioned that she doesn't do well when like a coach really overanalyzes. And I, this is not a comment about any other coach, but I think Greg Meehan is a very cerebral coach. And so maybe that could be one piece of, of why that was not a great fit. It could also be because again, Reagan was coming out of that pandemic place and like maybe her first landing, her, her next landing spot was just not going to work. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever, Go ahead. If you're dealing with pressure, Stanford in every way <laughs> is a high pressure environment, not just in the pool, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah, if you're sure. at Stanford, big fish, small pond, small fish, big pond, if you're at Stanford, even being an Olympic gold medalist does not like make you stand out among your peers, right? Because like they just have so many people that leave that school and do so many impressive things. Like being an Olympic medalist is still a big deal at Stanford. Being a world record holder is still a big deal. But like you have people who invent new biofuels and you just like the wildest things that change civilization that come out of Stanford. So like it's it's a high pressure environment. And and I think Arizona State just kind of being in the desert in the sun in Tempe, Tempe's a little more of a, a let loose kind of town. You know, if you're dealing with pressure, that's probably a good move for a lot of reasons. She got a great meet. Uh, I'm excited to see how she can throw down at worlds. Uh, like she said, this is the first time at a major international meet. She's swam the hundred and 200 back individually, which is pretty wild. Uh, Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, she said she's going to take on the 50 back to fly double, even though they're on the same day. Um, I think the 50 back is first in semis and, but then for finals, the two flies first and then the 50 back. And she seemed confident with that order that she could focus on the two fly. And then because she did that triple at, at pack 12s or NCAAs or both and handled it pretty yeah. well. Yeah. She yeah. actually got better as the triple went on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So seems that seems like she should be fine. Speaking of Greg Meehan, we let's talk about uh, the coaches selection. Uh, the basically Carol and Bob got to pick their staff. Uh, and it's not like there's, these are women's coaches. These are men's coaches, but the eight assistants, we've got, uh, Ron Aiken and Corey Chitwood, who are also the open water coaches. We've got Blair Anderson or Blair Bachman from UVA, uh, DeSorbo, Todd DeSorbo, the head coach for UVA said he was going to sit this one out, spend time with his kids this summer. Uh, Braden Holloway, Ray Luce, Greg Meehan, Anthony Nesty, Eddie Reese. Um, pretty standard coaches, uh, from, from reading our swim, swim comments. Um, one, one coaching change that was suggested was, uh, Carmel swim clubs, Chris Plum for Greg Meehan, um, which I think just brought up an interesting conversation of, we know that coaches are chosen by how their athletes are going to medal. Um, and I think Tori Husk is a very strong medal contender. Uh, which is a strong reason why Greg Meehan was probably chosen. Carmel Swim Club put two athletes on the team, Drew Kibler and uh, Alex Shackle. Their chances at meddling individually are non-existent because they're both on there for relays. Um, so I'm curious as to your thoughts of, should there be a stricter or more written out, thought out uh, procedure for selecting coaches or assistant coaches? Well, first of all, you know, the big, the biggest omission is the Cal coaching staff, but it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Durden has had a lot of summers in a row. 
he's got young kids. I'm sure he liked DeSorbo gearing up for the Olympic year. He's happy to stay home. He might have tried to arrange Matt Bow going like um, Blair Anderson is going, but now that Bo, I forget how he's decided his name was said. Bo, Bow. 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 Matt yeah. Bow, now that he's going to Michigan, um, you know, he's got higher priorities. So that wasn't going to happen. And Marsh will be, I think, at Worlds for Israel. Yeah. And so. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, I don't know, to me, the whole the whole idea of how we put together Olympic coaching staffs or world championship coaching staffs is kind of weird and nebulous to me. I don't know that I want like strict requirements on it, but like I would also love better guidelines so that it's more that it's it's fully focused on how do we create the best wholesale staff for this team um, rather than a collection of individual coaches. And I don't know if that always happens. You know, the famous example being Ron Aiken not go, not being able to go to Tokyo, although he was kind of there off book, um, but with with junior swimmers on the team. Like if you have junior swimmers on the team, you should have a club coach on the team. That makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a good staff. There's not a lot really to complain about. Um, you know, you could, you could make a point here or there about what a certain coach brings to the staff at the position they're in. And I'm not going to name any specifics because I don't want to set off any fireworks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's nothing to me. There's nothing. There's nothing in here that's worth changing how we do this. To me, it's it's. I I I don't know if I would have done anything different than what this staff is really. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's many major slip up in the in the staff. When I was first looking at it, I did think about how there was no towel coach, but now that Braden brought up that Durden probably has a lot going on, and Matt Bowie is now going to Michigan, I don't really see any room for a cow coach and the thing with Chris um Greg Meehan over Chris Plum there's two things that could go behind that in addition to meddling chances one Meehan has been a consistent coach on these national teams for a long time so I think part of it could be familiarity and also there is that whole club coach versus college coach dynamic it's something that Ron Aiken has smoked um spoken about and how I guess college coaches they're just more more likely to be selected for stuff like this so to me I can see why that happened I'm not saying it's right or wrong but I can understand it, it kind of comes down to whether we view this as a um as a reward or as an important role and I guess anybody, anybody who's on this list, anybody at USA Swimming will see both, right? They they will say it's a reward for putting swimmers on the team. And it's also part of, you know, getting the training right and getting the the relays right. We we will never know whether we're doing a good job of picking the staff in terms of results, right? The only the only thing we know is that we've had trouble with relay selections. Um and until you're going to give like a, a swimming scientist like a Russell Mark authority to make the final call on those relays, changing the staff around won't necessarily fix or break that. So to me, it's kind of a it's kind of a black box like there. There's no way to quantify whether we're doing a good job picking staffs or not. It's it's just I don't know. So if you view it more as a reward, then it kind of doesn't matter. 
to me, it seems like the swim swim commenters view it as a reward because they're the ones that get offended over yeah. certain coaches not going. But the actual okay. coaches and people involved view it as a responsibility. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly commenters can forget that they are choosing coaches based on what the coach brings to the table <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and what they can offer the team instead of just how many swimmers I put yeah. on the team. Yeah. Um, which, like you mentioned, Yinyin, Greg Meehan has been a head coach since 2015 on international teams. Like He's done this a lot. I think that's another reason why college coaches are prioritized and might be just overall better suited is because club teams come from a myriad of backgrounds. And like you could have a club team that has you know two high-level swimmers or 30 high-level swimmers, but college teams and the college format is so much more similar to the international team format that you know that the college coaches are going to have experience managing an entire team versus managing, you know, kids or or just a few kids. Well, Uh, and you also have to talk about what do they bring back from this experience to their teams and where is that most valuable? And, and while there, this was a fairly young team with lots of club swimmers in general, that experience will have a bigger impact at the college level than at the club level, in my opinion, for the, for a senior level meet, at least. Agreed. Well, on that note, let's talk about these teams moving forward with a couple rounds of sink or swim. First up today on sink or swim, we're looking at the women's team for the world championships it's a strong team. I I think they're going to do great in the metal table, but relays, they're definitely going to have some competition, especially from Australia, uh, as well as a few other teams, but mainly sink or swim, mainly Australia sink or swim. U S women win two out of the three women's relays. I don't, I don't know how to answer this without knowing what Molly O'Callaghan's knee is going to do. Um, they said it's going to be okay. If she doesn't swim, then I think absolutely the U.S. wins too. Without her, the, the Australian medley is hard to put together. Um, and without her, the Australian 800 free relay takes a big hit. The 400 takes a big hit too, but they're so deep there that they would probably still win. Canada is not going to be as good this year, so the U.S. will should be silver because the U.S. is better than they have been probably in decades. Um, but um, I'm going to swim two out of three. Just, you know, on I, I think it's two out of three anyways. I think if it's, I think if Molly can't swim or is considerably impacted, then it's a definite two out of three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to swim it as well. I think they, they're going to hands down win the medley. And I think they pull off an upset in either the 4x100 or the 4x200 free relay because you know the 4x200 is already a toss-up, but the 4x100, I just think the American woman, just like after seeing how they performed at trials, they have so much potential. For the first time in a while, they could have 452s on their team. They have 352 flat starts already. And I don't know, this just feels like a team that can drop a lot. And I don't know. I I can see I can see something. Yeah, but Australia outside of O'Callaghan, they are better than they were last year. 
because of Emma yeah. McKeon's yeah, swimming. Yeah, because McKeon. Ariana yeah. Titmus and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'll swim it too. I'm 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 optimistic. I think we can I think we can uh the medley looks good. I think Australia's a little too shaky there. I think the four by two, we just have that one down, you know. We've beat Australia the Australia the last two years. Um, especially last year. We like Are you on team we, USA? Uh I'm American. <clears throat> but I think we can do it again. You know, I think with Ledecky leading that team, that for nothing bias. isn't possible. Coleman has an American bias because he is a we with America. Yin Yin and I are a they with America. <laughs> it's no coincidence that this tie-dye shirt is red, white, and blue. Uh, uh, womp, womp. It is a coincidence. All right. Because it's orange, too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Looking to the men's team. Sink or swim. Will the American men top the medal table in Fukuoka? Oh, man. So how, how many, you know, we still have Bobby Fink. They still, still have Bobby, Bobby Fink. Two events <laughs> that we'll get a medal in. <laughs> but like, he, but, but his the- events are like the most loaded. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but, it, you know, the thing about it is that it's so fragmented, like with, with no Malak. Like it's, yeah. there's so much fragmentation in the men's events. Like it's possible that no country wins more than two individual gold medals, right? Like it's possible that Leon Marchand uh, just wins the men's medal table by himself. Like that is an entirely conceivable outcome if he just wins. Not France, Leon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Florent Manadou and Maxime Gousset. Yeah, but they might not medal. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's really all about gold medals, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. We win, win yeah. the medal table. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna swim the U.S. winning. I just I just think they still have the best 800 free relay, in spite of Great Britain looking a lot better than they did last year. I think the U.S. still has the best looking medley relay. No, I don't no, know if I believe no. that. No. Okay. I'm, I'm sinking it. I'm trying to come up with a reason wow. to swim it, but I'm sinking it. What country do you think will beat them in gold medals? Italy Anybody or France? wins a gold medal. I think Italy, France, and Great Britain are the front runners. To like, if I had to put money right now on any any one event on the men's side, I would I would not choose an American to win any. How, mm-hmm. I'm trying to describe how to say this. It's not that I don't think an American will win in any event. It's that like I don't think there's any event where entering this meet an American is the big favorite. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the fifty back. I mean, I, I'm I'm just look, I'm looking well, through. I mean, the that's list pretty right safe now. money. But... It's literally just yeah. the fifty back. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't know, man. I can't find an okay. obvious other gold medal. Yeah, no, there's, there's not. They'll, one. they'll sneak up and find one. Like I think the the U.S. Yeah, men are like will. a two, two, two to three gold medal team this year, and I think Leon will win two to three gold medals by himself. Yeah, I think Italy will win the men's medal table. Honestly, if we if we look at it real hard, it looks like Italy. Fifty breast, hundred breast, 
Maybe well, one of the I mean, Nick Fink still looking the, pretty the good. Chinese defending. swimmer who went 57, Ching Haiyang. Yeah, but Martin Angie looks good too. Yes. One of the distance races, Thomas Chacone and the Hunter back. Like, I, I'm just saying he has the last play. name of Fink. So, <laughs> but like, I, I count five, I count, I'd pick five gold medals for Italy. And I don't, yeah, but... I don't see anywhere near five for the U.S. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's if that. that's if Italy swims really, really good. Yeah, and like in all those events, Italy has a higher ceiling, but the U.S. has a higher floor. I feel like it's the opposite. <laughs> I feel like the U.S. has a higher ceiling because they're the U.S., but Italy has a lower floor because you know that like they have more studs who are who are have a much higher chance of performing but yeah. i feel like the us has a has a very high ceiling they also just have a very low floor mm -hmm. yeah i think if i'm picking a, a picking to win the men's medal table i'm picking italy right now all right yin yeah. sink or swim yeah so i was considering swimming it just because if there's so many countries with two or three gold medals the us is probably going to have more silvers and bronzes but now that i'm thinking about it i don't think the u.s is going to win more than three gold medals and italy is probably going to be better than them in the four by in the medley relay in breaststrokes distance events um the backstroke and yeah i agree with brady i think italy is going to win the medal table swim go team usa <laughs> Now we have, um, really can we have, can we have Mel bias. dial in for this? <laughs> okay, here's all the gold medals. Here's my rationale. I picked two two relay golds, and I know I know on paper that looks shaky, but I I think Team USA will men two relay golds. Uh, I think we get a distance gold for Fink. That's three. I think we get a breaststroke gold for Fink. That's four. I think we get a fifty back gold. That's five. I think five golds wins it. Which two relays do you think they're going to win? Great Britain looked really good. It's in the so hard. It's it's just so hard to say because like I think they have kind of an equal chance in all of them. Like we've we've owned the four by one free, uh, and I think having held and rest on that relay, I could could carry it. You know, it's like if Jack Alexi is swimming well, which I think he will, and you know, I don't know, some fourth guy. Uh like so I feel like God. I feel like we have as good of a chance as any other team in that relay. I don't think anyone else is like a heavy or favorite. <laughs> Pullman, I I'm gonna feed you to the sharks, aka the Australians on Twitter. <laughs> do you think Australia has a much better chance than we do? No, probably not. not. Much better. Yeah. But I think but, that's a three-way race that could go any of three ways. Yeah. Hey, okay, yeah. I think we, we I think the same about the four by two. I like I think the same about the four by two. That's a three-way race that could go. Yeah. yeah. And I think that about the medley. Like I think uh, Italy. The, the medley is kind of a two-way race. I don't think okay, Australia yeah. is competitive. In no, the no. Is, is Britain? Because no. they don't have a breaststroke no, or, no, or a backstroke. Yeah, or much of a butterfly. They never have a backstroke. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's like I'm going with US and two of the three. 
All right, man. We're going to hold you accountable to that after Worlds. That's fine. That's we'll fine. see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is our super de duper D 2023 US World Champ Trials breakdown. We'll see you next time.